We're here on this planet to do something spiritual, psychological, emotional, creative, artistic. Um, and so we kind of have a mission and we kind of, there's sort of things we need to do. And when we're born into this world, we're, no one's ever going to get it perfect. And so when, when we start getting off course, um, symptoms, pain, difficulty are almost the signs that we're off course. Coming all the way from Minneapolis to Washington, D.C., we now bring you Enter the Freud. Warning, this podcast is for entertainment only and not intended for medical purposes. Listen at your own risk. Well, so, okay, this is the midlife crisis episode <laughs> and how we should start, I don't know. Well, uh, as, as, as 40-somethings moving into later 40-somethings, we should know all about the midlife crisis f- f- from firsthand should. experience. I need a coffee to help me out with this. But so, okay. Dave, would you do us the, the incredible favor of just letting us know what midlife crisis is? Yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. Um, well, here's what it is not, is what everyone thinks it is, which is like, everyone thinks it's like some strange biological thing that happens to men in their early 40s where they want to like buy a convertible and uh, worry about their appearance and maybe cheat on their wife and freak out and get really it's like the, the 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 common view of it is it's like the man gets like goes through some weird really immature thing he goes he has like a a, a brief return to adolescence. That's kind of what I think most people think the midlife crisis is. Is it's a brief return to adolescence in the early forties, um, which I don't. I, I don't want to say there's no truth to that, but that's just like a really limited, poor understanding of what it is. Right, and it's often referred to as kind of like a questioning of one's values, questioning of, of one's morality. That's really what, because when they look at what psychology is in, in a very poor estimation, they think psychology is values and morality. Yeah, and yeah, so, right. So then because someone be, starts to question their own sanity, perhaps, and so then they readjust their moral compass so that suddenly, ah, you know, an affair doesn't seem that bad, and then... A sports car, and if 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 I hear one more comparison to an affair and a sports car, I'm just gonna have to quit this this <laughs> conversation. Literally, that's what everyone says. Right, and it's I mean obviously there's some truth to that, but that's just such a limited, shallow understanding. Okay, so let me I'm gonna try to simplify. I, there's sort of a few different categories, so I'll just pick randomly pick one. Um, First category, I have to start with this. There's a there's a force in human psychology that's super powerful and that really I don't think the world of psychology uh, emphasizes it or maybe they're not even aware of it as much as they should be. And that is humans and maybe men more so than women perhaps, but humans really need a goal to be focused on 
that inspires them and motivates them to get up in the morning and motivates them to like go out into the world with energy and inspiration and enthusiasm. We humans really, really, really need that. Um, and, and psychology doesn't really talk about it. Um, Man's Search for Meaning, I think by Viktor Frankl. That's one famous book that I can think that talks about it. Sort of. He talks about it, but he's not saying the exact same thing I'm saying. It's like, if, if I have something that when I wake up in the morning, I'm like excited to do, then I can really recruit a ton of energy to like go out into the world. But if I don't have something, like I'm going to be depressed or just like, lethargic or disoriented or lost. So that's a super important um, key, like fundamental root of human psychology. And I, I, I don't know why people don't get that as much. Okay, so I, like that's essential, I think, to understanding what midlife crisis is. So you take that concept and then you add it to the um, common path of life of a average American in this day and age, and very simply put, our world gives us a bunch of unwritten rules or a script of like how a life is supposed to go. And you're supposed to grow up as a kid, go to school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, get out of college, get a job, meet a woman, get married, buy a house, get a dog, get a picket fence, have a couple kids, and then when you've done that, you're done. The story ends there and you're supposed to live happily ever after. And at that point, which happens roughly in, the person has finished that script roughly in their early 40s, at that point, there's no, no one knows what the hell they're supposed to do in life anymore. It's like the story ends and in the movies, it's like the movie ends and they drive off into the sunset. But the reality is, is human life, your life is just like half over at that point. So the next half of your life, it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? So you wake up in the morning and you don't know what the fuck to do. You have no goal, anything to motivate you or guide you or anything. And so you're just facing this vast abyss of directionlessness. Yeah, I, I was reading someone's attempt to explain this phenomenon this morning and they had a similar take of yours, except it was much more rudimentary in its obsession with the potential for neuroses, right? Like at this stage in midlife, depression, anxiety, and, and uh, what the, the, the word they used was silly, but uh, it, it basically just meant like a, a loss of meaning. And then they, they said, the person's reaction of this was because of the realization that they began to look old, right? Like they're wrinkly and mm. their beard is starting to gray and their stamina, this is repeatedly said, is their stamina, which is measured by, I don't know what or which stamina they're talking about. Is it sexual or is it actually like their, their sports? Because I don't think many people are fucking athletic in this country, so I don't know what they're talking about. But they say that, and then they're like, oh, to recalibrate towards the second stage of life so that it's fun, because otherwise it's depressing, right? It's depressing, so to recalibrate so that it's fun, you must go do fun things, which yeah. is affairs are fun, 
and then sports <laughs> cars are fun. That, that, that's, and I'm like, dude, that's not my idea of fun, right? No. Like, it legitimately, uh, I got a different, a different view of what fun is. But that, that's for, that's that. That was that guy's description. And so it kind of like was starting out in the direction you're going, and then it just goes, you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is now big boys. It's time to have fun, so you don't feel <laughs> old. So you don't feel old and sad. Yeah. And that's that's like the description of a midlife crisis in a lame way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, may, I, there's probably something to that, but I think that's too simplistic. What's what's your give, give me your kind of take on it? How how do you think of midlife crisis? It's unbelievable how weird my concept of the midlife crisis goes because I've seen people hit a crisis at 16, at 24, at 40, at 60, and many of them are really similar, and I kind of actually drift to a Jungian model, which mm. I know that you typically don't think of me as a Jungian, but in this case, the the like grips, and now I'm going to end up in the stupid cycle, right? The, the, <laughs> like here's here's my depiction of the Jungian myth and or the Jungian story of the phenomenon. So it's like as you grow into this calcified identity of a human uh, of a personality and, and and its persona, you kind of collect things about you that are accurate and some that are pretty that are pretty much disinformation like like you think you're better than you are you think you're worse than you are whatever and so you end up with this identity and it reaches some type of a crescendo that it, it can no longer tolerate anymore and and at some point the dark night grips you and starts to pull you into well I, I I don't know the dark night actually is is down here so something grips you and this I may need your help with this but because normally I know the story very well and it pulls you down into this kind of a, of a gravity, which actually there's, there's, there's like a, um, an actual psychic, uh, almost like a, a parameter or like a, a psychic um, membrane. It, it literally like a psychic membrane from which, which the psyche emerges. It's getting sucked back into this membrane. And as it goes through the membrane, since certain parts of yourself are shed and this is where the dark night experience happens where you have that like uh serious this is an actual crisis and the other thing of like oh i feel a little anxious and depressed and i'm not sure what i am and so now I'm, i need some strippers and cocaine it's like no this is different this yeah. is like you're pulled in and nothing can save you as as you have to shed these 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 parts of your identity that that are somehow not universally true. Yep. It, now now the people at this point might be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Because this hasn't happened to me. Well, I've seen it happen at sixteen and on and on and on. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, and I think anyone who says that it hasn't happened to them, that's just because. They're they're in resistance to this deeper uh, spiritual truth you're talking about, but people can resist it by just like turning off their psyche or drinking a ton 
or becoming super ADHD and consuming themselves with other things. So it's, it's possible to resist it for a while, but the lo- more and longer you resist it, the more and longer your health, both physical health and psychological health, just deteriorates. But you can resist it. Yeah, for exactly. You can resist it, and then at some point, you can't. And then you end up having to go see the shrink because you think you're losing your mind. Yep. But even then, lots of times people go see the shrink and the shrink could either be the talk therapist or the uh, uh, psychiatrist prescribing medication or or the voodoo doctor or the uh, acupuncturist, the shrink. And, and there, lots of times people are still trying to resist it. It's like, do you have some medication that can make these symptoms go away? Or do you have some CBT techniques to help me get my life back on track? And any doctor who's not a depth psychologist will probably try to help them resist it. It's only the depth psychological therapists that are like, hey buddy, you're in the midst of a depth rebirth process and I'll, I'll like help you dive down deep and shed the shit that you need to shed so that you can be reborn and come up again as a new person. Yeah, to come up as whatever this next phase or stage of your life is. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I think that my perspective of what a um what what a uh, uh a midlife crisis is is quite different than stereotypical. I think I really like what you said. I think what you said totally fits perfectly what what I said, but you just you just paid extra attention to the like deeper spiritual roots. I was talking about the more superficial observable things, but I think the two things go together and uh, I blame you for opening this can of worms, but I'm now gonna follow you down into this can of worms. Um, to connect what you said and what I said, um, there's this worldview which Carl Jung and really a lot of uh, people who I think are like the great spiritual thinkers see is that what life is, what human life is, and sorry, but I gotta add in, and including before death and after death and in past lifetimes or future lifetimes, however we wanna think about those, is a constant process of evolution and growth and change. And we're here on this planet to do something spiritual, psychological, emotional, creative, artistic. Um, and so we kind of have a mission and we kind of, there's sort of things we need to do. And when we're born into this world, we're, no one's ever going to get it perfect. And so when, when we start getting off course, um, symptoms, pain, difficulty, are almost the signs that we're off course. And so when we're off course, the symptoms are telling us we're off course. And if we're going off course, eventually we're gonna have to kind of crash and burn and go down into the underworld and shed the stuff that was not what we were supposed to be doing and go through and go through a symbolic ego death so that hopefully we can be reborn and try to like do a new journey. And also, I don't even want to say necessarily off course. Sometimes I just think it, and that's why I used the before death and after death. It's sort of like, imagine a person who is born and lives their life exactly how their spiritual destiny intended. Still, they're supposed to be born, do their thing, like do their great, whatever, spiritual, artistic, crazy thing. 
and then they're supposed to die. And then they die, and then they come up again. And that cycle is an archetypal cycle that we could talk about it, a literal birth and death, or we could talk about it as a birth and death that happens a few times within one person's life. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you how many, how many pathways what you're talking about just sends my, my mind into. Well... I, I with with that I'm I'm not even going to interject because I, oh, I, I literally was it I was going to respond in in a way that was like well shit man the fact that you're pointing towards getting off track which then you corrected yourself and you're like well maybe it's not off track because it it is kind of like the the psychic and physiological sensations of of not being in alignment with whatever your actual destiny is then points to the fact that there is a destiny. Yep. And this is something that, that lots of people are going to argue against. They'll say, like, there's no such thing as a destiny. We don't have this, like, what are you talking about? That would mean that then each of us have a path. And then what is the path? What yep. is the path? Can't you tell me the path? Write out the thing that the path is. Because no one appears to know what the path is. Yep, yep which is a, di a divergence from the American dream, the American story. The American story, as you just made it so clear with the white picket fence in the very beginning, and then all of a sudden here we are in this, in this different kind of, it, it's the same conversation that suddenly looks slightly like, hey, wait a second, no, they're, like, that's good enough at one point, but somewhere along the lines, whether you're, you're 16 and having a full revelation that, oh my God, what my parents aspired to be is not what I would like to be. The world from which I was born is not the one that I want to live in. And so then, whenever that revelation occurs to someone, and, and with it comes the, uh, uh, shit. I was going to say uh, disillusionment almost, right? The disillusionment of, hey, I got a nice ride here. I got, I got this plan, this plan that looks good. And it's like, no fall from grace totally. into the abyss and then from there emerges and that's why the 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 idea of a midlife crisis is always a story of distress it's always a story of like it's silly it's shameful it's like oh that's the that's a guy acting the fool and, yep. and no one ever understands that, yes, yes, it does look funny as you go into and you plummet into your uncertainty again, looking like a teenager trying to find your identity. It does look funny. It's funny watching a dude, like a 50-year-old dude with a ponytail in a Corvette trying to drive around with some hot blonde chick. That's fucking funny, right? And everyone's seen that unbelievably, right? And I said that I was going to yell if somebody said that again, and it was me who said it. Fuck. <laughs> Okay, so but the reason the reason it quote looks funny or um, people criticize that is imagine the peanut gallery of people criticizing the guy going through the midlife crisis. That peanut gallery is the status quo American society, and what they think is that a person should just be a good boy and follow the plan. And so then when they see someone doing anything different, when someone is deviating from the script, they're like, oh, that you're deviating from the script. That's bad. You're not supposed to be doing that. The, the, the status quo peanut gallery of people, they don't, we don't get us, we Americans don't get that part of life 
is supposed to be the crash down and the diving down into the underworld. If we understood that, then the peanut gallery would be like, wow, this guy's going through that profound threshold of death rebirth. Like, that's so amazing. I can't wait to see what kind of um, regeneration he comes up with. Yeah, yeah. That would be really cool to, to kind of support friends and family going through that instead of just like get into this Oh, alarming. Hey, you have the disease. Get him away from us. Which <laughs> it, it's very much um, like appropriate with today's kind of like disease resistance and or or disgust of the other today, right? It's and it's like clearly when somebody starts to 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 depict these classical signs, which when you look up midlife crisis, the immediate thing they say is like, "How do you know if it's happening?" Right? What are the signs? And it's yeah. like because everyone wants to know what are the signs so they don't have to have it. Like, oh, it's happening to him. It's happening. There it is. He has it, not me. Look, he, ha- he has yes. the fucking, he has the secret COVID whatever it is. And it's like, you know, clearly put on a mask. If we could wear fucking masks to make it go away, we would do it. <laughs> totally. What are, the, what are the signs? The signs are driving in a sports car um, with a hot young chick. And what are the preventions? Eat lots of spinach. Okay, I'm going to eat spinach every night to try to avoid having the midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know what's really fascinating, I think, is um, that the midlife crisis was typically a, a male thing. It was like what guys went through. And now, predominantly, the world of midlife crisis is dominated by women. Mm-hmm. You probably didn't know that, but I did my fucking research. And I, I literally went to look at Midlife Crisis podcasts and 100% of the, of the podcasts on Apple podcasts are women. Yeah. They're women talking about women and then they, they mix in menopause as part of the process. So that, that happens at 51. So, so apparently female, uh, female Midlife Crisis is scheduled to be at 51, right? Due to due to some hormonal thing, but the, but then it, then of course men were like, shut up, we have menopause too. Men have oh. menopause because it's true. Like the we have cascading um, problems of decline in in testosterone, and so since since women's is closely related to their sex hormones, then then guys are like, oh well, uh, we have we have a. Uh, we have a hormone related thing that is also related to our psyche. So it's almost like midlife crisis is something of a physiological uh, happening as you age and then, oh, you get wrinkles. It's like, yeah, dude, I started to have wrinkles when I was like 25, right? So if I was gonna freak out about myself looking old, uh, I think I had this big forehead when I was like born, right? So I was like, I I should have had the, like the idea that I was gonna look older I kind of looked this old when I was 25, and I still look this old, right? Like, slight <laughs> slight variations, but I think I looked old early on. And so, yeah, it, it, a lot of people are talking about fear of death, which I, I, I'm sure that's part of it. I shouldn't deny that that's part of it. But I feel like if, you're, if your life and psyche is hooked into a meaningful inspiring trajectory and you're on a life path that like works for you i don't think fear of death is a thing um 
Well, it's it's always a thing, but I don't think it will tank you down into a midlife crisis. And then the other thing, the other topic we should mention, because we don't hardly have any time left, is relationships. Uh, romantic relationships, I think, are oftentimes part of midlife crises. And the, the really short version is that um, what you're, quote, supposed to do in our culture is get married and live happily ever after. Um, and I think that the reality is that almost no relationships follow the path of live happily ever after. Um, and so if that's the expectation and the reality is relationships don't do that, I think that oftentimes creates a midlife crisis too. Because when you fall in love and you're in the early stages, it's so the relationship is so inspiring and gives you so much meaning and, and passion and joy. And then after a few years, as that dies down, and then eventually the relationship, oftentimes marriages start to, people start to feel like they're prisons or balls and chains. And I think that that's oftentimes part of a midlife crisis too. Dude, it, some guy, like some people actually believe that only one in four adults actually experience midlife crisis. And that midlife crisis is brought on by divorce. That's an actual model. Wow. Right? So so it, it clearly is completely whacked compared to what we're talking about and or it's in some different reality. But it, it directly is like like focused entirely on this this aspect that you're talking about. Well, yeah, the, the, the fact that that's a model just shows to me how misunderstood what midlife crisis is. And then now, uh, as I'm thinking, and as you bringing up women, the other thing we'd have to think about is not um, not the stereotypical prison of marriage and married. It's sort of like there's a married with children prison that can leave that leads to midlife crisis, and then the midlife crisis leads to divorce. That guy's got the cart before the horse in his model. Um, but then the other thing is people who aren't can't find a romantic relationship and partnership, which is a hugely growing segment of the population, especially women. There's a there's a 30-something, 40-something, like wildly common crisis of women trying to find a relationship and they can't do it. And that leads to a, a certain midlife crisis of sorts too. Oh my God, absolutely. That That's so, it clear. it's so clear that if we were to properly investigate this phenomenon, we need to do this in in like five different chapters. Totally. To do this, to do this, any service really, we should we should break it up into into the aspects because we didn't even get into how much our world is is obsessed with various groups and their experience of of. Um, because what we're talking about is a universal human experience known as a midlife crisis, which then is not only something that is terrifying and is experienced as psychological and physically difficult, but then it, in afterwards, there is room for it becoming something regenerative and awesome. Mm-hmm. So the story isn't complete if you just focus on, oh, it's a silly thing where you start to feel old and you do funny things to feel young. It's like, nah, that's not good enough. Because it turns out, well, then, like, if it's different for women and for men, 
I know we're not supposed to point out such differences, but there are people already proudly announcing the difference between gay men having a, a midlife crisis instead of straight men, right? Uh, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a huge thing, especially coming from San Francisco. Um, there's, yeah. the, uh, you know, one of the authors that I, that I read was actually a gay dude in San Francisco announcing that rather than, um, you know, go to get a sports car, he he got really into redecorating, and I was uh-huh. like, I was like, dude, don't be so stereotypically gay. That's silly, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that, because it's making the sports guy, the sports car guy, stereotypically straight. Like, I oh, know right. a gay dude who got a fucking yellow Porsche for a, a canary yellow Porsche in his midlife yeah. crisis. So, so don't tell me that that that's for straight men and the other things for gay men. It's silly. <laughs> in in the same way, there's like publications, actual publications about black men's midlife crisis. Oh. That's different apparently. Oh. And then I was like, "Oh, really? Well, what about trans midlife crisis?" Right. Oh, that's a thing too. Trans crisis, right? <laughs> like, well, well, you can't you can't well, you can't say trans cuz well, the moment you have the revelation that that you are trans, that isn't that a type of a crisis? But then, do you also go through this type of crisis of meaning as as you mature? Yeah. Is, is is that the umbrella we're talking about? It's like, it's like a crisis of of individual psychic physical maturity. Yeah, totally. And fi- yeah. Gay, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, as you were saying that, here's where my mind went. You said you need a story, but as you were talking just now, I was envisioning like a house. Like in the first few decades of our life, we start building a house to live in and you build it all up and get it all nice and you're done building your house. And then you're like, wait a minute, I don't really want to live in this particular house anymore. And then it's, but you've spent your whole life building that house. What the hell are you going to do? And so to leave that house or to demolish that house seems like a giant uh, mistake. Like, oh my God, that idiot, he spent 40 years building that house and now he's going to move out of it? Like, that's devastating, horrible thing. He fucked up. He's bad. Yes. I like that. But the reality is, is that's just what happens. It's almost just like when you're a kid and you build a Lego house and then when you're done, what do you got to do? Rip it apart and build a new one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And, every, and when you see kids and they've got, like finished built lego things on their shelves in their room i'm like you didn't you get the memo bro <laughs> you dude then you have to like dude it was a really strange thing when my son had that experience because he built a few of them and then one day he came and he was like let's smash these <laughs> and so he wanted to make this whole youtube channel of him smashing the the lego sets and, and he had one really silly one that, that someone gave him for his birthday, like My Little Pony. And so yeah. he wanted to have like this dark scene of him smashing it with a bat. <laughs> I remember that YouTube channel. It was titled, Does It Smash? Mm. Yeah, 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 it, exactly. It's, 
it's really a um but when you point towards the the grown-up pursuit of building and and achieving in this world and then to think like oh well, yeah yeah along the way you build something and then you're like oh you know i don't really want to want to live here and or live in this this career that i've built right and so you might want to change you don't you don't want to do this career anymore and and you have this kind of a family dynamic and it and you can't seem to make it work for this next stage and so you're like i don't really want to do this anymore yeah and if you can't get it to move with you towards your new vision so there must be some element of an emerging vision yep you think so well i just i think that what the human soul is is it's a force that is always generating new visions and new trajectories. Um, and it, that is problematic in the context of the human life that wants structure and to build a house and to stay in the house and to live happily ever after. Those two things are at odds. And um, we'd like to deny that the human soul is going to come up with new visions, but tough shit. It's going to do it and it's going to fucking burn down your house. Yeah. I like that. I, I I like that. I you know what? The story keeps going, and we don't have time to keep going, because it's like you look at there's so there's a psychic process that seems to be guided by this like larger within the world process, and and you look at like what what is it like to become forty five in today's world? Today's yeah. world is seriously more screwed up than other times, but then not really. Because if you look at like, what about the guys who turned 45 in the middle of uh, World War II, right? In the middle of in the w- middle of Europe's devastation, yeah, yeah, right. Like like okay, yeah, that's kind of a weird time to have gone through this stage. Yeah. And then so so you see the the rise of of European existentialism as as an obvious reaction to that in a, in a like a a movement that's substantial. Yeah. Right? yeah. And. Not to say that, oh, that was a midlife thing because those guys weren't even in midlife, right? Not, not exactly, but then again, I'm not, I, I'm not even going to bother to look into whether Simone Dubois and, and Sartre and all those fucking guys were, were of midlife at the time when they... Well, certainly they, they maintained this status until they were old, so whatever. When they came up with these ideas, but then again, it's like... Uh, I, I, I'm just like looking at the the historic and, and like external societal influences that would contribute to this versus this uh, internal thing where they talk about hormones and stuff. But you and I have gamed the hormones and you know, the physical aging and, and as we're training for a Spartan race, it's like stamina. Dude, I'm pretty much more fit than I was when I was 26. Totally. I'm the fittest I've ever been in my life fucking crazy when you start to hijack your your nutrition and your training specifically yep. and you and you rest properly and and like look at what my dad has done with like hormone replacement therapy yeah totally like, 